Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. I am so excited to be y'all's guest host here for the next couple of weeks. Things have definitely been super busy around here. As you guys know, we have Ladybird Studios, our wedding company, and we just launched our corporate and commercial brand, Film Mavericks, and have been shooting a web series for that. So it's been very busy around here. But we didn't want to stop the podcast. We want to keep it going for you guys. So I am here for the next couple of weeks, and I have been reading your comments, and I have seen kind of a theme of, you know, we want to go back to maybe some of the old series, some of the old topics. You want to get back into the nitty gritty and really talk in depth about shooting weddings and video techniques and editing and stuff. So today I have with me a member of our team, Marshall Webb. Hey. Uh, You guys know he was previously on the film school series and kind of talked about his experience having gone to UT film school and how it transitioned into him shooting weddings for us. But today I wanted to talk to Marshall about kind of how he, you know, has come into shooting weddings. And just recently, Marshall has stepped into the role of our full-time editor, our previous editor has moved on to other things and Marshall has taken over and is now our sole wedding editor. So Marshall, go ahead and give us a, just a little recap of kind of your background, how you got started with Lady Bird and how you have transitioned into becoming an editor. Absolutely. Um, so where do I begin? Um, so I, I came on to Lady Bird, uh, I think it was in 2016, uh, around May, uh, Jordan, we interviewed, hired me. Um, I had pretty much had no prior experience with weddings. Um, although, um, as Jordan puts it, I was the only person he brought in that had film school experience. Hence the reason why we did the previous podcast and talked a little bit about that and how that informed, um, my current work. Um, but transitioning into Ladybird, he basically trained me in a little bit of everything. Um, so I spent about two years doing productions for him, eventually doing lead shooting roles, uh, started off as a second shooter. Um, and then April this year is just kind of like this big whirlwind. Um, we had a need for more editors to come in. Um, and we had Manuel who was transitioning to, you know, focus on his own business. Um, and so Jordan brought me in to, learn editing. Um, and so I'd been editing for quite a while, but predominantly on Adobe, um, and predominantly more like sports and news broadcast oriented stuff. Um, actually hadn't a whole, had a whole lot of experience with, uh, a more creative style of editing. Um, which you definitely can call wedding films that cause you'll, you know, there's a lot of creative, you know, stuff involved with that. Um, and I also had never worked with Final Cut, which is what we work with predominantly at, at Ladybird. Um, so there was a lot of learning to do. Um, and there was a lot of definitely kind of this big whirlwind. And uh, Manuel and Jordan both were instrumental in helping me transition to that. Um, and yeah, that's basically how that's my summary of 
how I kind of brought came to be Lady Bird and now how I've gotten to be, you know, a lead shooter and editor here. Yeah, awesome. And I can definitely vouch for that and say like over the past several months, I've really watched you blossom into not only your role as an editor, but your role as a videographer. Like since you have kind of stepped into that role and started learning the editing process and you get to see your footage now every single time you shoot. Yeah. I've definitely watched the transition and seen how fast you have just like soared in the videographer role on a wedding day. So I want to talk about that for a minute. Like now that you are editing and you get to see your footage all the time and you get to piece it together and you kind of have that vocabulary, how do you approach a wedding day now maybe as opposed to in the past when you were just kind of shooting with us here and there, Mm -hmm. how do you go about a wedding day? You know, talk about maybe some techniques you have shots you like to get and how you approach it with an editor standpoint. Right. Um, I think before, uh, just going through, you know, my thoughts on maybe what, what's trying to figure out, like, what, what's the difference? Like what, what did I develop or what did I, what happened when I was stepped in and looked from these, you know, looked at these pieces from more of an editing standpoint. Um, And I think the biggest difference that I made um, was, I think the biggest change that I made was the, just being able to see the perspective of, you know, I think the biggest thing is you you look at a whole bunch of footage and you see all the bad and all the good. um, Because before it's like you shoot and you deliver that footage and then you kind of see the final product so there's a whole process there that you, you kind of miss. You just kind of see Manuel's magic happen. And um, he would give you notes, which was really helpful. Um, but I think the the eye-opening thing was when I got that first edit, which also happened to be one of the weddings I shot, and was just like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's a lot. there were good things, but then you kind of realize, okay, I need more of this. Um, I need to approach the the shoot a little bit differently. We definitely need more of this type of shot. Um, So, you know, overall production completely just my mindset and vision for everything changed because I see things from a a perspective of this is, this is how it's all going to come together. Um, Because I know, especially since I have the luxury of editing it later, I know exactly, you know, it helps me know exactly what I need. And that's just so important because, um, there's just so much to cover throughout the day of the wedding. Um, if you know the types of shots you need and you're going to use, uh, that definitely helps you a ton. Um, so I think, you know, when I go into a day, you know, when we're going preparing for a wedding, um, now that I've kind of gotten some experience with editing, um, I think my biggest thing is that, you know, you kind of, you want to shoot to edit. And so you don't want to punish yourself as uh, a videographer. Um, so lengthening clips or shortening clips definitely helps a ton. Uh, you definitely want to keep in mind what it's going to look like when you get into the editing room. Um, I think the number one thing that I also kept in mind too, just going through and actually color correcting my own footage, I learned a lot about my own exposure and that's just so important. You, you look at a uh, footage and you don't realize, okay, so there's just so much information that you can save in the highlights. Um, even if the, even if in the camera, it looks good to you, you also have to keep in mind, what is this going to look like on our 5k iMac monitor? Um, because it's going to look totally different. 
And so that changes the way you, you think about exposure and white balance. Um, and then, so one of the specific tips that I give about that particular thing is if you're not sure about your exposure, you want to give yourself or your editor options and exposure. So maybe you overexpose a little bit, maybe you underexpose a little bit. Chances are one of the two is the correct exposure. And then that editor is going to be like, okay, great. And then I just have this shot to pick. Um, if you're not sure if you're too blue or too warm on your white balance, you could always give yourself options. So that helps a ton. Um, those are a few things that I really like, really just kind of informed my mind in terms of like, okay, I'm going to be able to deliver, um, not just better footage, but a, a better variety of footage for myself or even just imagining that I'm maybe shooting for a different editor. You know, I don't want to punish them or myself too much, <laughs> making them work more than they need to. Um, and that's going to make a better product because then, you know, you have less time you're spending fixing footage and more time actually thinking creatively about how is this piece going to flow. Yeah, I agree. I definitely, I don't edit, but because I'm in the office and I watch you guys edit all the time, I almost feel like I still get the benefits from it. Um, seeing my own footage all the time, watching it being pieced together by you. And I think getting to have that experience really drives home the basics. It's mm -hmm. like, it does give you creative ideas of, oh, how can I be even more creative? How right. can I get those couple shots even cooler? Like, what are some techniques I can do? But at the same time, it really locks in that, oh, white balance, exposure, those very minimal basics that really you can hone in on when you see your own footage all the time and you see mm -hmm. how it pieces together. You know, and, and we talk about those being basics, but there's a reason why, you know, some of the best wedding videographers are where they're at now compared to where, you know, a lot of us are learning. Um, we're still learning at Ladybird. Uh, a lot of videographers listening to this podcast would admit very quickly that they're still learning. Um, and exposure is something that you're always learning and there's something you're always honing a craft for because there's not, there's very few videographers, even with a few years of experience, can walk into a room and know exactly what f-stop they need to be on and what Kelvin they need to be on right away. Um, but there are a few that do. And those are the ones that just kind of walk into a room and it just seems like they make it look easy. Um, and so that that's that's what you have to work on because that helps your footage just so much. Um, and, th and that's one of the biggest things that I think I learned going in and looking at my footage in the editing room is like, okay, um, learning to look at it from a different perspective. And one of the other things that I'll talk more about, um, also is, you know, you want to keep in mind that it is a digital camera, so you have pixels to save. And so when we mentioned saving your highlights, it also means sometimes you're first look at a, at a shot is not as good as you may think it is. But if you're saving your highlights, you're giving yourself a little bit of wiggle room on the pixels to go back later and creatively color grade your footage. And because and sometimes if you go and overexpose something and it looks majestic and awesome, but then you go back and blow it up on that 5k iMac you have at home, you're like, oh man, nothing, there's really no image here. I mean, I just, I have the bride exposed like her face, but we can't see details of her dress. There's really no trees or anything in the background of a shot. So those that was one thing I learned very quickly. I was like, oh man, I need to start saving highlights. Um, but not just highlights, but darks too. Because if you underexpose, then you just have complete black pixels 
in the dark areas of your image. Um, and that just makes it really difficult for an editor or for yourself to do anything but have that footage. I mean, it's, it's sometimes you want to give yourself that wiggle room. Yeah, definitely. I feel like something that you kind of have to train, and this just takes time and practice, but I think you have to train your eye to like know, okay, this is what it's going to look like on the camera screen. Mm -hmm. But then this is what it's going to look like on the computer screen, like right. you said, because there have been, there have been plenty of shots um, in you know, my time that I'm like, thought were amazing. Like I was on the day, like in the camera, I was like, this is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I see it on the computer and I'm like, oh, wow, I did not nail that. Like I thought yeah. I did. Um, so now I feel like, you know, I've kind of gotten the hang of, okay, it's not going to look exactly like what I want it to look like on the camera screen, but right. I know I kind of how to tweak my settings now that I'm like, it's going to look good for the final product. It's going to look really good when we get it into the editing room mm -hmm. and piece it together. Um, and overexposure, I feel like, is probably one of the biggest challenges yeah. um, for everyone, whether you're new or experienced, um, because you just have varying, you know, weather, varying sunlight, varying locations. All the time, you have to constantly be aware of it. So I think that's definitely something to always keep in mind and, you know, if you can kind of like train yourself to underexpose, not like too much, but sometimes if you look at the camera and you think it's exposed, I'll, I'll knock it down another notch. Just a tad. Just a tad. Because I'm like, you know what? It might be fine, but I'm going to knock it down just a notch because I bet when I get it on the computer, it's mm -hmm. going to look just right. Or even yeah. if it's just a hairline dark, you bring out a little of those shadows and boom, it's perfect. Because it's, it's a lot easier to bring out, you know, some of those shadows and it is to once you blow it out like you said it's, it's gone pretty much yeah you can't really fix it so goodbye pixels <laughs> um and and then so like you know in general like being able to see exposure from a different perspective is is really important um and some of the, even at the highest level you're you're gonna have shots that you just don't quite get um maybe you just didn't have enough time to get the exposure right something like that um, so it also helps to know what shots you can save later too, if, if, if you're rushed on time and you just need to get the shot, um, knowing where you've got to get to on the exposure, have something that's usable is important too. Um, because then there are times where you'll run into a situation where, you know, you've got like five seconds to get your exposure, right? And you just got to get the shot because the bride's getting her dress on or something crazy is happening. You just got to get the shot. Um, and maybe it's a first look that you didn't know about. They just walked in the room and dad's there and everyone's crying. You're like, oh my gosh, I got to get my shot. Um, in that situation, it's like sometimes you just got to get it. Um, but knowing your exposure well enough to get yourself close is super important too. Because as much as we want to talk about pre-visualization and as much as we want to talk about preparation, there is a certain level of run and gun to shooting a wedding. Yes, definitely. I feel like, and sometimes you, sometimes those shots that you just have to like get, you know, super on the fly, you don't get to prepare for, can turn out to be some of your best shots best, yeah. when you get used to kind of that flow and that quick, you know, I, that was something that in the beginning I felt like, you know, I'd watch the lead shooters and be like, oh my God, how do they switch their settings so fast? I don't even know if I'm supposed to adjust my shutter or my f-stop or like, what I'm supposed to get the image to look like. But I feel like if you can really get super, super comfortable 
with adjusting all of those basic things, then yeah, you can capture those quick moments or you can at least get close enough that it's like, I know I can work without the editing room. Mm-hmm. It's If I had had time, I could have made it a little more perfect, but it's nice to, I would always say capture the moment rather than don't. Yeah. Because like, even if it's like not perfect footage, you got the moment. Right. And sometimes in the end, that's all that they want. They want you to know that you you filmed it. Right. You know, like us, you know, we get into our heads and we want it to be perfect all the time. But this is a live event. You're not yeah. always going to get that perfect shot from the perfect angle that you want. Mm-hmm. And it's better to have footage for the couple and say, I got the moment. Wasn't perfect, but I mm-hmm. have it. They're just going to be happy to have that moment. So yeah. I want to go back into the wedding day now and talk about something that I know you have definitely spent time working on. Um, so we've talked about the basics, but I know that once you kind of came into the editing role and we're watching your footage, you spent time working on couple footage. I know that was a personal yes. goal for you. So talk a little bit about that and how that, how editing has informed how you film the couple. Right. Um, I just, I think that, you know, before the start of the year, it was already something that I'd kind of put my mind to because I'd had a few weddings where we just maybe didn't have enough time for a couple shots. Looking back on it, maybe I just didn't fight hard enough to make time. And I think that's a really delicate balance of that the videographer has to make with a wedding planner and communication and a bunch of other things. But that's kind of going in its own little corner. The main thing for me was just having an eye for that opportunity for shots. Um, and when I got into the editing room and saw my footage and, and really just, and this is kind of the biggest thing that I would mention in general is if you're really looking to make your wedding footage look better, seems like such a simple thing, but education is super important. Watch other people's work, watch work, just more wedding films, just consume all of it because you're going to be able to see all the different types of couple shots that you can grab and those get stored in your brain. You don't realize it, but then when you're there on wedding day, instead of not really knowing what to do, you'll have a shot in mind. And that's so important because you waste so much less time figuring out what shot you want and you already know what you need and you grab the shot and then you can go play and that allows you to go get other shots. And then before you know it, you start realizing you've got too many shots of the couple and you're not sure how it's all going to work in the edit, but it does because you can use all of it. Um, Just keep rolling. (laughs) Um, I think that that's kind of been my biggest thing was, you know, the couple shots are so important. The beauty shots um because it's their day and it's super super important that we get enough of that because you know especially when you see it in the edit it ends up being you know we talk about b-roll the couple shots are your a-roll that is the important stuff to grab um and we mentioned that you know my biggest thing and my, my biggest growth as a videographer is learning the pre-visualization um, thinking about games to play with a couple, different poses. Those are all things that I had no clue how to do and was really working on um, and seeing how important that stuff was for the edit, especially going into editing room and realizing for maybe an edit that I shot, I was like, man, I don't know if I have enough of the, the couple stuff. That's that's rough. That's You just can't make that up. Like You can make up B-roll. You can cover up stuff on toasts if things don't go perfect. You can even cover up some things during the ceremony if you have an angle go down or something like that. But if you just don't have the couple footage, it's just not there. And and there's really no way to make up for that. 
Um, so that's that was my that became my number one focus to make sure I delivered better couple footage. Um, and I felt like I did that. Um, definitely still learning. Um, but that's an, again, that's another one of those things you're always learning, you're always developing, you're always honing that craft. Um, because once you get to a certain level, there's another level to get to where maybe you like the scene better. Maybe you find better backdrops for the couple. Um, those are all different things that you, you, you could look for, um, that I'm working on. Yeah. And I think one of the great parts of this job is that we're always moving around. Like every wedding mm -hmm. is somewhere different, even if you shoot the same venues, you know, but you're at different locations, you have different couples, different couples give you different things right you might have this go-to shot that you always love to do it's not going to work on every couple mm -hmm. like i think that's one of the things that's probably a struggle for some people is you you know even when you do have shots in mind it doesn't mean they're going to work yeah. you do have to have a level of i mean you have to have a pretty good level of awareness you need to be able to pick up on the couple what they're like how they interact with each other yeah and then then you ha you know you can go to those shots in your head that you kind of like to get and say okay which ones are going to work really well for this couple right. oh i think this one is just going to sell their wedding film but mm -hmm. this one not going to work for them yeah because i know i've definitely had that experience where i go into the wedding like man i already know what couple shots i want they're going to be epic and then i'm with the couple and i'm like nope not going to work it's not going to work with them it's not going to work with the venue maybe the photographer yeah. um and that's another interesting thing is during that couple time, that's the golden time. It's the golden time for the photographer and for the videographer. And, you know, having that relationship and that working together can be rough at times. Yeah. So what's your sort of view on that as far as how you have learned to kind of work with photographers, how editing has helped you really know what you want and mm -hmm. helped you kind of gain the confidence to get it? So... What I've learned is that editors, from an editing standpoint, you, you learn how important that stuff is. So it makes you fight for your time more. And I can guarantee that if you don't communicate with your photographer every wedding and you don't fight for your own time for video, they're going to take all the time all the way up until it's time to present the bride and groom and you're done. You're like, you're out of time for them. You can steal them later, but the sun's down and the shot's totally different. The photographers will take all the time. So you have to communicate with them. It's like, look, I, I need to have some time. Maybe that means you need to communicate with the planner as well. Um, and you can do it friendly. Just do it earlier in the day. They'll understand. They work with videographers all the time. Um, you also have to understand that they need time too. Um, and they need their shots. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of photographers you work with just like you work, you know, uh, I don't know, did people work with different focal lengths. Some of them shoot wide. Some of them are fine with uh, tighter shots. Um, know where you can stand to get your shots too. And then when it's your time, that's when you can kind of just take over. Um, and I think that's, that, that was an important step in the process of instead of just shooting from angles and letting the photographer do their thing, and hope that you can get your shot after they're done. Instead, you're like, hey, I know you're setting up for this shot for photo. Since we've got five minutes, can I grab this shot? Since we're walking over here anyway, let me just follow behind them with this gimbal um, with my wide angle lens. And then boom, I've got that shot already. And I don't even need to worry about it. 
Um, so it's being able to have an eye for when you can find time for those shots, because even even it's sometimes not even as simple as, hey, I've got 10 or 15 minutes after the photographer's done. Um, sometimes it's like, hey, you know, it's it's I, like, for example, I for Nicole and Mason, which is one of the weddings that came out recently, I'm super proud of. There's one the pretty much the opening shot was literally just the couple waiting you know, for them to go through and do their, their, uh, day of exit. So they did a, a lavender send off during the day and it took them time to set that up. And I'm just standing there with the couple and I'm like, do y'all want to grab a video shot real quick? We got like 10 minutes. It seems like, and they're like, yeah, that's cool. And that ended up being a really cool shot. So it's, uh, it's really important to, to always be shooting and always be looking for an eye, like have an eye for those moments. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of gold can be found, in the moments between. And I feel like that's I feel like that's a really good piece of advice, you know, maybe for some of you who are starting out or you're really looking to kind of improve your footage or looking for new things to do. It's not always about setting up a shot, having mm -hmm. like, okay, this is my time, I get to like set everything up. Think about what's happening in between in between the photos, in between this event happening, there's so many tiny moments that are happening mm -hmm. constantly. Get them. like, yeah. And maybe you don't even inform the couple that you're filming. Maybe you're just standing there and like, you know, they're getting their pictures taken, but then the photographer's switching a lens. Yeah. And they're sitting there laughing and talking to each other and you yeah. film that. You know, like sometimes you, you have like a minute you can walk up and ask them to do something quick. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just are aware of what they're naturally doing. And I feel like the more natural moments you can capture, the better. Yeah. You know, and there's things we can do to prompt natural responses. You know, it's it's nice being a videographer. You're not asking them to pose or hold anything. You know, you're asking them to talk to each other, walk, look at each other. Maybe you give them like a funny question or something hmm. to talk about that'll kind of prompt a laugh or a, a natural response. But I feel like the more you can look for those moments in between, the better. And especially during the photo time, yep. because, you know, the photographer's going nuts. They have a list of things to get through. There's family, there's bridal party, and then they have to get to the couple. Look for those tiny moments. Right. There's there's going to be more than you think. And if you're if you're less worried about setting up this shot you already had in your head in this certain spot you'll be open to catching those small moments. Absolutely. Yeah, and and it's it's one of those things too, like just specifically when I approach a wedding, one thing that changed when I became the editor was like, I don't care if we overshoot couple stuff. So I tell my second shooter, because we have a second shooter and it's helpful, they're usually on a tighter focal length. I'm like, you pick a spot, you park it, and you just roll. And if the photographer stops or repositions them. There might be 10 or five or three seconds of them laughing or something. We'll slow that down and we're going to use that bad boy. <laughs> um, and we wouldn't get that shot otherwise, because if you're in this mindset of like, I need to keep setting up and changing angles, which you'll still be doing. But if you're rolling that whole time, you're going to capture more moments like that. than if your mindset is, I'm just going to wait until they're doing something interesting to hit record because there's gonna be a lot of times where you miss stuff doing that and having that mindset. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? 
Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again, and have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get, and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 Hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you? Before I got 17 Hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized for my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 hats, just $300 a year, and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, You'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour, so definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so... We've talked kind of about basics, couple stuff on a wedding day. How has how has your mindset changed in approach to the reception portion of the wedding day? Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about kind of because that's I feel like an area that you know that's sort of an afterthought sometimes because you all the big moments happen early in the day, the ceremony, yeah. the bride getting ready, and then the couple together and. Like that's really like the bread and butter that a lot of people focus on. Mm-hmm. But the reception, I mean, there's still so much that happens. Yeah. And you don't want to just kind of throw it away and, and, you know, be like, oh, it's okay. I'll just use what I have. Not really think about light. Like there's so much still to think about when Absolutely. you're trying to film the reception moment. So talk a little bit about that and how you like to kind of approach a reception. The reception for me changed a ton. Um, because when you're first starting out, I feel like you, you have this sense of like, once you get done with the ceremony and maybe toast, you're like, okay, I'm done. I just shoot some dancing and I'm good. Um, but I think that's a huge missed opportunity, uh, because the reception is when you get to see people unwind, you get to see people, um, you know, maybe they've been drinking, I don't know. Um, and they cut loose. And so there's there's a lot of really fun opportunities for your film that aren't staged um, where you just basically kind of hit record because there's just really interesting stuff going on. Um, not every wedding has a ton of dancing and not every wedding has that stuff going on. Um, but it is an also another opportunity to go grab details and B-roll stuff that you missed earlier on in the day. Um, that's super important because, if you know, the couple spent years planning this wedding sometimes um and you know like it may not seem like that a super interesting thing to have shots of their guest book um but that's all super important because that's stuff that they've spent a lot of time thinking about and planning so it's good to have time to do all that stuff but more specifically um, my mindset changed because um i thought about my dance footage how am i going to improve that because that's such a big part of the overall piece that we deliver at Ladybird, 
Um, and so, you know, you have to, I started thinking a lot about lighting, you know, how, how can I stage lighting? How can I improve where I'm going to position myself every time? Um, and you know, when, when you find a formula that works and you, you properly light the couple for their first dances, um, you find better angles to, to approach and light for the dancing stuff later. The footage just turns out so much better because you're limited on light. And if you're if you're really trying to accomplish the best exposure and image possible, but not just that, but finding more opportunities for more interesting stuff you're shooting, um, I think that makes a world of difference. Um, so for more specifically for dancing stuff, instead of just being like, oh, the first dances are going on, I'm just going to jump in there and get my shot. I've already set up my two lights. I'm waiting for them to start their first dances. And then I just turn my lights on and then we get we get our shots. Um, totally different a way of approaching it, but it produces better work. Yeah, I think you really do have to at least be prepared and be like ready to go when it comes to those first dances, the mm -hmm. parent dances, because that's what like they're going to want to see like a lot of. And you want to you want to roll in the whole dance. Yeah, like. And you, you probably have you and a second shooter, so you have two different angles, you know, mm -hmm. maybe one wider, one tighter, which is nice to have so you can cut between them. But you want to roll on the whole dance. Yep. And, you know, and I know it varies, you know, some of you probably offer the full dances, you right. know, so you need them anyway. And even if you don't, like, you want to have that much footage to work with because that's the gold stuff. Yep. You know, especially if you're going to deliver raw footage later and they're like, oh, I really want to just kind of click on the clips and see, like, my full dance and stuff yep. like that. It's nice to have. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to, like, people dancing, once the dance floor is open, all the formalities are done... I feel like that is such a huge opportunity that maybe a lot of people don't think about. You have so much room for creativity. Mm -hmm. Every venue is different. And yes, you do have to d deal with varying amounts of light. Some venues are more lit. Some are super dark. Yeah. Some DJs have weird color lights. And you kind of have to be able to roll with that. But you can use it to your advantage. Yep. I feel like you see enough of your dance footage and it like literally sometimes you have to cringe. You have to like shoot weddings and see your dance footage and be like, oh, wow. OK, I could have put a light there and that shot would have looked amazing. Or, you know, I could have chosen to, you know, shoot some more B-roll. Like there's so many things now and it's easy. It's easy. You're tired and maybe you're, you know, sitting there watching people dance for two or three hours and you're like, man, I don't need all this footage. I just want to get to the exit. Right. But, like, there's decorations everywhere. Mm -hmm. You can get badass tight shots of, like, yeah. candles flickering or the lights that are hanging on the ceiling or right. go outdoors and find, like, if they've got string lights or they've got a campfire going. Like, I feel like so much happens at a reception and you really can, like, find those creative shots that are just going to take your wedding film to the next level. Because if you spend so much time getting these beautiful shots in the first part of the day, like, you don't want the second half of your video to just look like you kind of gave up. You know what I mean? That's a tough one, too. Yeah, because you 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 are battling, you mentioned exhaustion. Um, you are battling emotional and physical exhaustion at that point. So to, you really do have to train yourself to not be done until the send-off. And that's the biggest 
change that I would say, you know, from a mindset of a videographer is you don't don't necessarily find times for breaks because um, even though you're taking a break during the wedding, you're thinking about what's the next step. Don't give yourself that that time to give yourself a break until the send off because there's always opportunities to be working. Don't kill yourself, but always be always be shooting at the the most that like get the best shots possible at all times, no matter what the circumstances. And you're going to deliver a lot better footage. Yeah. And there's always going to be times during the reception where you can take a five minute break and mm-hmm. some water. Like, don't you, you obviously don't need to roll for two straight hours of dancing. No. But like, look, you know, you can just tell like, oh, hey, the DJ just is, you know, ramping up with the songs. These are going to be the ones where everybody is out there dancing. You can get a lot of different shots of right. different people, which also can be a struggle because some weddings you just have the same 15 people dancing. Yep. And you're like, I can't have 500 shots of these same 15 people, you know, so that can get challenging too. But yeah, like you said, um, always be looking like don't just think like if you can't shoot people dancing, there's nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. Something that I have really had fun incorporating into the reception is time lapses. Like I like to be Mm -hmm. like, all right, you know what? I've got good dancing footage, got some B-roll. And I still have time. I'm going to throw a tripod somewhere in the room, point it at the dance floor, and just let it roll for like 20 minutes. And then you have a fun time lapse you can use in the reception. You know, things like that. Just little things like that mm-hmm. can just make the video that much better. It, and you have to take the time for that. It's it's knowing that you can be productive during breaks. You know, it's like, I'm going to take a 30-minute break. But during that 30-minute break, I got a time lapse rolling. Um, so that, that's a really important thing. Um, and th- and that makes your videos better because you have a greater variety of different visual things going on. Um, and it just, it makes you look, it just makes the piece flow and look a lot better. It makes it pop. And it, it, towards the end of that video, like when someone's watching your wedding film, you know, everybody's lengths are different. Some people deliver four minute videos, three minute videos, six minute videos, 10 minute videos. That reception time is such a huge opportunity to make things pop and re-grab people's attention too. Um, because you're not just delivering a film for that bride, that couple, but that's also an opportunity to sell your work to another couple. So you want to grab their attention and hold it throughout the whole video. And that was just something that I, I realized going in into the editing room and realizing it's like, okay, how, how do I how do I keep my, my pieces visually interesting from beginning to end? And the reception time is a huge opportunity to continue to keep things visually interesting. Even if you have great couple stuff and great setup stuff, that third act, I like to call it the third act, the celebration, you want to make sure that you nail that too. Yeah. And I would say we've had a lot of couples actually that, you know, obviously the ceremony is important to everybody. You Mm -hmm. know, that's the bread and butter of the day. But like, I've had a lot of couples be like, you know what? We're really focused on the reception. We're going to have a big party, a lot of guests. Like we really want to get a lot of reception footage, you know, film everybody dancing. Like it's important to them. And they point it out like, you know, we really want to focus on the reception. Right. Take that opportunity and run with it. Like there are so many places probably you can go in the venue and maybe they've got a balcony. Maybe you can go mm-hmm. outside and shoot through a window, through a door. Like there's so many angles you can get at a reception. And you can you can show them what their party was like from like all of these different perspectives. 
And I think that yep. is something that is so cool that we get to do is like, this is how we've seen the day. And you can find, you know, sometimes you set a camera on a table and you've got like, you know, some candle or decoration in the foreground and you see people dancing in the background. Such a yeah. simple shot. You know, you can sit at a table and let it roll and you see things like that in the background. Or maybe mm -hmm. you rack a little focus. Mm -hmm. Simple things like reception footage usually doesn't require a lot of complex or like fancy moves. It's just finding angles that you think look good. Right. And yeah, that's that's a big change, too. And, and, and that's a good note for the rest of the day, too. Um, one thing that I think improved my footage a ton was being able to look at footage and grabbing footage and finding different angles to grab throughout the day is super important too. Um, you know, not just of your couple shots, which we mentioned earlier, but like B-roll of setting up and stuff like that. If you look at your exposure and your white balance and you nail that, the next step is how can I, uh, how can I make more effective compositions? Um, maybe I add motion to the shot. Maybe I'm really nailing rule of thirds. What, what's going on in the rest of the frame? besides what's like in obviously the focus of the shot. So it's just different things to think about there too. Yes. All right. So let's transition this conversation now and talk about your editing process. So you've shot the day, we've come back, dumped all the footage. How do you approach an edit? So I learned a lot from Manuel, who is super fast, and I'm still not as fast as Manuel. I don't um, know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I I try. Um, the thing about it is um, it's really about organization. It's the number one thing because you, you've just been handed hours upon hours of footage and it's like, all right, now I got to condense this down um, and deliver something interesting that's four, five, six, seven minutes long. Um, and so how you begin with that is the first step is always you got to organize your clips, which thankfully Taylor does for us, which is super helpful. Um, so when I come in, the clips are already organized, but that's something a lot of solo shooters and editors will need to do themselves. Um, I worked, when I worked at Texas, they even go as far as labeling their clips. I don't know if that's necessarily gonna be part of your workflow, but it does help. Um, so you can go through and label the clips, maybe just put a little marker that says dancing stuff or first dance couple or first dance bride and father or something like that. So like maybe you can go back to that footage later and that, and that helps you organize things. Um, and that another thing too, is you want to go in and create your projects and know and, and setting up your project and that workflow is super important because all the settings and everything, if you get that right the first time, you don't want to create a project and have it be in 4k 60 frames per second when you shot it at 1080 and 24 or 30. Um, because then you're going to have to redrop that timeline later and that becomes a huge mess, you know, getting that set up and organizing things, organizing your projects, um, is super important. Uh, the next thing is you, you want to have an idea of what your vision for the whole piece is going to be. And it's something that I left definitely have worked on, um, because you want to know, okay, so what, what do I need from this footage when you're calling, when you're going through your footage and, and you're organizing what you're actually going to use. Um, when I first started editing, super bad habit, but in Adobe, you kind of can just drag and drop footage onto a timeline and then go from there. Um, don't do that because you're going to just drop all your hours of footage onto a timeline 
and then try to cut it from there and it does not work in Final Cut. Um, but if you're an Adobe editor, you can totally do that too, but it takes way more time. So if you actually go through your in and outs, drop footage onto your timeline, being able to pull images down, that's a lot better because you're already kind of editing your footage before you then go and edit it again because you're 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 framing what you're going to use throughout the day and that's also an opportunity to set aside the footage that you're going to use for your multi-cam edits um so you put your ceremony footage and everything in kind of its own bin um and set that aside maybe you're proxying it um so that you can multi-cam edit that later um so once you have your footage cold um, you want to organize that footage by time of day. So if you have all your couple stuff, put that all together. If you have all your set getting ready stuff, put that all together and you can put markers on all of that. And that helps a ton. Um, so yeah, you get the consistent theme here. You can organize it different ways, um, but organization is just so important um, because that's really the only way to get through this footage and do it quickly. Um, and then the next step would be going through doing your multi-cam edits. I do the multi-cam edits first. If we've got toasts and ceremony, those always need to be done first. Why? Because that's going to inform your story through the day. It's about the wedding. So you want to edit that first and then you can use the, the audio from that to, to frame your whole piece. I know a lot of highlight films don't always include audio. Um, so you got to know what you're delivering, obviously. But um, if you're delivering a piece that has ceremony audio, and toast audio, you want to have that picked out and ready to go before you even start the highlight and pick your music. Because if you pick songs that are really loud and bumpy, but then you're trying to layer that with a whole bunch of audio that you've picked out from your toasts and from your ceremony, kind of gets really busy sounding and really hard to hear. Um, and so that's super important. And that also informs the story of your day. Like what is what is what are the important audio moments that you pick out for your day that are gonna really inform your piece. And once you have all that and you get organized, it's really just about putting it together at that point. You pick your music, you got your audio pieces, and then you slap that bad boy together. <laughs> um, and that could take the most time, but I mean, that's, that's really the most important thing um, because color grading and all that stuff is purely, you know, a lot of that's gonna be a purely creative approach to things and everyone's gonna do it different. But for everybody, I could pretty much say with confidence that organizing your footage and going about your editing from a certain standpoint, from a, from a viewpoint of what's my story that we're trying to tell uh, and being able to break down that footage and get those audio bits that you're going to use early it helps you a ton. Because if you're trying to do that in the middle of your highlight video edit, sometimes you go backwards and then go forwards and then backwards and then go forwards. I've done that. It increases so much more time that you're doing. And then you, you don't want to ever feel like you get to the end of something and feel like you wasted your time because you're like, oh, man, this toast, there's a better sound bite that I could have used. Now I got to retime everything. It just it's so much easier to approach it from that standpoint. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think going back to kind of the subject of, you know, having enough B-roll, having those A-roll couple shots mm -hmm. and having a variety I feel like if you have a lot of options for that, 
You can get really creative in the edit when you're shaping that story, especially if they read letters or have personal vows yeah. or you really get to like hear from the couple and hear them kind of tell pieces of their story on the right. wedding day. And it's small things I've, I've seen you do in edits like, you know, they're reading their vows and, you know, maybe, you know, they mention how they held hands or they walked together and then you see a shot of them walking mm-hmm. or just like. Things that inform each other, like, you know, you hear them say something and then you see a shot that matches kind of up with that. I just, those small moments to me really sell the film, like looking for ways to incorporate those creative B-roll moments, especially if you got a lot of natural moments, Mm -hmm. you got them just in their element together. Then when you're piecing together that story and you're hearing those audio clips, you can really drive home that emotion through your A roll and B roll. If, if keeping that mindset of having an A roll and then having a B roll, because sometimes we get caught up in knowing what is B roll and what is A roll. Um, from a certain standpoint, even your couple shots from from a certain standpoint are kind of B roll too, because you're gonna more than likely layer that over, unless you're doing more of like a music video cut that's usually gonna be layered on top of audio pieces. So your audio and those sound bites that, stu- that tell your story are super important. Um, and that really is just gonna like tell your story. Um, and again, it doesn't work for every highlight film. Some highlight films are basically just music videos and those are awesome too. Um, so in that case, you're, you're, there are different shots that are more your A-roll and more your B-roll. Um, so every film's different, and so the key there is identifying what is your A-roll, what is your B-roll, what is the backbone of my edit and my highlight, and then use that to use your B-roll to inform your story. Um, if we're using B-roll to just cover stuff up, that's fine, um, but it feels less organic, um, and that's something that I'm working on continually to try to like use B-roll more interestingly um, and use it to inform the story. That's the, the main thing. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, there's times when you want those kind of more epic couple shots where mm-hmm. you get some dynamic movement or they're kissing in slow motion or, you know, there's moments that you want that footage for the edit. Mm-hmm. But then there's moments where you just want like clips of them laughing or they're walking or they're doing mm-hmm. something totally like they're not paying any attention to the fact that they're being filmed. Right. I feel like having both types of couple shots is so important because you have that variety you know you you can kind of build the romance and more of the like cinematic feeling through Mm -hmm. those maybe those shots you staged or you like went after but then you have all of those organic moments that you can weave in and like you don't realize it but those subtleties Mm -hmm. are everything in a Mm -hmm. wedding film and i feel like sometimes you you get caught up in wanting to get all these epic shots or you want to make it super cinematic or like other things you've seen but it's the subtleties. Right. Like when I, I've watched so many wedding films, um, you know, obviously we've shot a million wedding films of our own and I've seen other people's work. And I feel like some of the times when, you know, I tear up or I, I really just get pulled in is those tiny moments, tiny mm-hmm. little things that I'm like, they got a four second clip of that. And I started bawling mm-hmm. like just the small moments that you don't think about but you if you capture those and you have those options for the edit and maybe it doesn't work mm-hmm. maybe you capture this awesome shot but you're like ah, oh, it just doesn't fit the story in the end but to have 
all of those options, I feel like just really makes the edit that much more fun when you're building the story. Yeah, it's so much better. I mean, it's and again, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about having an eye for those things we were shooting when you're shooting. Um, It's great to get all the stage stuff. But if you're always rolling on couple stuff and you're always in your mind ready to go, then you could grab those moments. And it's not always just with the couple. You know, you're going to have a dad first look. You know, that's super important to grab. Um, sometimes first looks happen that aren't planned. And those are sometimes the best because then they're everyone's completely caught off guard and everyone gets emotional. And those are really interesting to shoot. You don't even need the best shot of it. It's just having a shot. And the, sometimes the audio of that too. Don't forget the in-camera audio or if you've got a road mic or something, capturing that moment. People like to see and hear tears. It's a weird thing, but it's true. You, you get someone sobbing, you you need to you need to roll on that because it's such a the emotion of the day is such an important part of the story. You want to capture that stuff. Yeah. And um, something you've been working on that I've noticed is weaving in more sound design into your mm-hmm. edits, um, which is something I feel like is kind of, you know, hit or miss. Some people, it, that's important to them. Some people that don't feel like they need it. It just kind of yeah. depends on your style and your objective. But what is your opinion on sound design, whether it's mm-hmm. audio clips that you captured or whether you're weaving in sound effects that you have pulled? Right. Um, I think it makes your overall pieces more interesting. It's more of a documentary style of looking at it. Um, I think a lot of highlight films fall into this trope of being merely a music video. And that's great depending on, it it really just depends on what you plan on delivering, right? Um, But for Lady Bird, like our our thing is we've kind of got a more documentary style of looking at our highlight films and what we deliver. And those audio moments that we deliver are so important because they help help tell the story of the day. And then you foley a bunch of stuff because it helps inform the viewer of what the feel of the venue and the day was like. So sometimes you have birds chirping and different sounds that you add later. Um, maybe you see a car starting or something during the send off and you don't quite really hear it because it's you don't really hear it in the in a clip so you add a sound of that car starting and it just makes that moment pop so much more in the edit or for example like um we had a wedding where they rang a bell we didn't really get a sound audio clip with a bell ring so we add a bell ring and it makes that moment just so much bigger because you you see it um but your brain hears that sound and you're not even conscious of it but it just really makes that whole that whole part of the video pop. So I'm a really big advocate of sound design. Um, it was a, it's kind of a recent change in my editing just because um, Jordan kind of made a comment once. He was like, why don't you sweeten the audio? And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Um, and then I think now that's going forward, that's gonna be something we do with every, every film we deliver because it doesn't take a ton of time, um, especially if you're thinking about it from the beginning um but it makes the highlight films just feel more organic and more cinematic too because sound design is such a big part of every film whether it be documentary or um a creative cinematic film um it it's it's and it's often forgotten about unfortunately so it's something that i'm we're we're definitely working on yeah i definitely think that's a great piece of advice if you're kind of looking to take your edits to the next level or just sort of 
enhance what the style you already have, figuring out what elements you can add that will affect people without mm-hmm. them knowing. Like you're not trying to throw in a big fancy thing or you're not trying to like go for some Hollywood thing. It's like you're adding, again, subtleties, mm-hmm. small things that the viewer will unknowingly respond to, but it just enhancements. It's it's those little tiny things you can look for and enhance and sweeten. Right. Really, I feel like that's what what you have to look at when you're trying to improve your skills and you know because you get to that point probably where you're like oh i've edited you know hundreds of wedding films and sometimes you can fall into that feeling that they all kind of start to feel the same or yep so editing is a huge huge opportunity to really look for like tight even if you just change something small mm-hmm. but that wedding film is going to be slightly different now because you gave it a slightly different feeling or yep. you used a tool that maybe you don't use on every wedding film. You know, you have your go-to tools that you use to edit every time. But if you have that awareness to find those little moments that you can enhance, mm-hmm. that is what is going to make your films stand out. Right. And like you you can keep a consistent style without making every wedding film feel the same, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's such a big thing that's going to make every highlight pop and be unique like say for example you have a wedding at a beach the sounds at a beach are going to be different from you know a venue in the woods so capturing the feel of the sound design from that day maybe you have an h4n that you just kind of roll on the sounds of the beach or maybe you foliate later um everybody can approach that different ways um but applying that is going to help the feel and look of your films more and if you approach it from the mindset that it needs to be a subtle thing too, because you don't want to draw too much attention to it, um, it'll flow more organically into your piece. And really it just makes your whole film feel more alive. Yes. Awesome. Marshall, is there anything else you want to offer to our viewers? Any little bits of advice? I know we've covered quite a lot and it's, this has been an awesome conversation, but is there any other parting words you would like to give to our guests hmm i think my i think my biggest thing is if you're starting out maybe you've got a few films um or maybe it's your you've never done a wedding film and you're, you're really trying to just dive in and learn um my biggest thing is uh and my biggest piece of advice is give yourself some room for error um and learn from it because you're going to learn the most uh, Jordan likes to mention this a lot. You're going to learn the most from reflection, um, but it's true because, you know, you, you're going to learn a ton about your footage looking back upon the day and editing is the perfect opportunity for that reflection because you're going to learn a lot about what you could have done better and what you could have done uh, or maybe what you, you nailed and you really want to do that particular thing again. And I want more of that type of shot. You're going to learn all of that editing your own films. Um, I know a lot. Some of us don't have the time to do that. So sometimes it means that you're communicating with your editor and that per- and, and whoever you're, you're working with to have them give you notes and communicate with you. But that's just reflection is just such an important part of, you know, the overall process of every film and making your work better, because without that, it's really tough to see 
Um, and maybe that requires you bring in someone that's a neutral party that watches your work and gives you critiques. Um, and that's a super important part too, um, because then you have an, uh, an outside reflection on your work and that'll allow you to continue to get better. So that's, that's super important. Um, so give yourself room for error, but also think about every piece and how much better you can get, whether you're editing or shooting, um, what can you do that's better next time? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm a firm believer as someone who doesn't edit that just watching people edit is so helpful. So if you're someone who like your bread and butter is shooting or running your business and you want to focus on other things and you have an editor, sit down and watch them edit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like watch them edit. Also, watch your raw footage. Like, you know, it's one thing to see, you know, when your editors kind of cut it together and you get to see it kind of pieced together all mm-hmm. pretty and everything. But when you're dumping your footage, watch, watch some raw clips, you know, especially those bigger moments that, you know, you're trying to nail because that informs a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes you watch it and you're like, awesome, that turned out just like I wanted. The raw footage looks good. And sometimes you see the raw clip and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Like, we can still work with this, but, you know, I got some things I want to work on next time. So I think it's important to both watch your raw clips and watch them be edited together because you you learn what can be done, you know, how much can really be fixed in editing and what can't. So I think that's a huge, I think it's an important process, whether you physically edit your films or whether you have someone that does it for you, mm-hmm. but being involved in the overall process will make you a better wedding videographer. I agree. Totally agree. So Marshall, you know, we've talked about Nicole and Mason was one of your recent films that you loved. And I know that we kind of gave the link to that in the show notes last time, but has there been another wedding since then that you really like felt like you did well, or one that you edited recently that came out really well that you want to share with the viewers? We have one that we're about to release that I'm really proud of. Um, I think one couple that I particularly liked a lot, Taylor, you probably can help me. Is it, is it, it's Alyssa and Nate. and Nate? Yes. So Nate and Alyssa, um, would probably be the, the most recent one. That's probably a good example of a little bit of the sound design stuff that I'm doing that would help a ton, like, and that it, it gives you a good example of some of the stuff that I'm really working on and trying to improve and get better about with the sound design, overall flow and feel of the story. Um, go ahead and go watch that and uh, let us know what you think. Um, Cause that's also, you know, you can help me get better if you've got positive or even sometimes negative comments, <laughs> I will appreciate both. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Marshall. It's been great having you on today. Um, if you love this podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Every little bit helps us. We love hearing your feedback and everything that you have to say. And we will continue this conversation next week. I've got another interview lined up with a person who also shoots and edits wedding films. So we will continue this series next week. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.